0: (laughs) This is David's Game Show.
1: Hi, David Ollick. It's great to see you again, but you're really late.
0: Yeah, I know. Don't hassle me, though. I, I know it. I don't need to hear it.
1: What? But you're late. Okay, you're late. I'm just saying it fact.
0: Yeah, it's a fact, but you don't have to bring me down over it or hassle me or you know what's don't jive with me turkey what i don't know i've heard it somewhere
1: look you were late just admit it
0: yeah but okay i was late i get it but don't hassle me you know i'm here now had my banana my carrot i'm ready to go what i've had my
1: yeah i heard you why is that what you eat
0: just what i eat i don't like cooking Or flavor.
1: Okay. But it's late. Hang on a minute, though. You said don't bring you down.
0: Yeah. I get Get it. I'm late.
1: Okay. I'm not going to bring you down, but I think I should bring you down Mm -hmm. because, like, what if I left a huge mess on the floor and you didn't tell me about it or complain because it would bring me down and then you've still got the huge mess?
0: Well, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. Okay. Bring me down. Well, don't bring me down, but just tell me in a way that will improve me and, and help me to, you know, go forward and and not do it again. You know, I get it. Iron sharpens iron and everything.
1: Yeah, that's right. Iron is sharpening iron. and I don't know why. How do you iron clothes with a sharp iron? Wouldn't you cut your clothes up?
0: (laughs) That's not what I meant.
1: Don't bring me down, man. Just because I don't get your jokes. I'm not
0: bringing you down.
1: Look, you just iron sharpens, i and all that, but give me a break.
0: Welcome, everybody. I'm back. I've had my banana and my carrot, and I've got a glass of water, and I'm ready to talk to you. But I guess I should tell you why, why I've not been here because it's been about two months. But I don't know. Part of me's like, I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> it's like, but I did get a message asking where I was and it's like, I don't know, I was here, but uh, thank you for caring. Yes. Um, But I don't know. It's just the way it is right now. Like, you know, I'm not a two dimensional person, I guess. I mean, obviously I've got muscles and that, but if you look at me side on, you know, I can't hide behind a piece of paper. I, I am three dimensional, you know, and things come and go and things come and change and, You know, I work a lot. I got a lot of hours to do. Well, that sounds not a lot of hours to do. What I I mean, I'm rambling already. I mean, my job's a lot, and so I haven't been. In fact, I haven't played any games in all of September. So it's the first month I've had without any games since at least 2013. I think that's when I started logging my plays on BGG. Before that, it was haphazard. So I don't know, but. It's yeah so but you know what I haven't missed them so it's fine, but like I didn't record anything because you know I didn't have anything to review and I mean i've got 100 hundred, two hundred, sixty hundred old games I love over there i'm looking at them now, as you can tell, but um. You know if you've got a visual radio thing, but like if i do an old review it's like i gotta play it again anyway i think just to get my thoughts straight even if it's something i've played 10 20 times it's just how i am but then i was like hang on who cares about reviews i don't have to do a review who even cares what i think about a game so just stuff the review so i did but then i was like well i don't feel like talking so i didn't but i'm here now because i got the time i mean those things in there too you know september's busy isn't it like father's day and well one day was busy sort of busy i didn't do anything but you know it was the day so you know give me a break one day out of two months i was busy but i'm here now and so i don't have a review today because i haven't been playing stuff um it's a really weird hobby you know like you've got to rely on other people i've you know i knew this i didn't just realize it but it's really annoying like if you don't get invited to a games night or something and uh your family doesn't play. It's like, well, you know, that's a whole lot of boxes of cardboard and wood and some plastic and that sitting on shelves just doing nothing. Do I really need all this? So I've had all that going on, I guess, going on. just It was just happening, sort of, not really going on. But um, why am I rambling? I don't know what I'm saying. What am I saying? Look, like I haven't been playing. It's a weird hobby. Like you buy a game and then everyone will maybe play it once and they didn't buy it so they don't care to play it again and you're like, well, I've loved it. I want to play it twenty times. No, sorry, you can't. It's like, what am I doing? Uh, but actually, oh, this is really negative for a game show. I mean, a board game show. You know, it's a show about games. I should be talking them up. Actually, to tell you the truth, I think this whole episode's a bit depressing. <laughs> So basically, because I've been off for a couple of months, I've actually got a few questions. Can you believe it? People have actually asked me questions. So we're going to go through those questions and sort of flesh out the show in that way. Um, And I also want to talk a bit about the board gaming industry and where things are going, because a lot of the questions and stuff, there was other sentences around the questions in the messages from the lovely listeners like you. Um, And they were all sort of related to my thoughts on the industry as a whole so i'm going to talk about that too maybe i'll do the questions first so usually i record this at the end but i'm recording it first so maybe i don't know what i'm doing yet but maybe i'll record the question and answers first and then if i haven't talked about the future of gaming or where gaming is or whatever i'll do that at the end and then i've got some poetry to share with you so we're going to be cultural and informative today and depressing enjoy All right, so let's start with this huge Q&A list that I finally got because I didn't respond to people for two months and they have wanted to talk to me, which is so sweet. Um, but you know what? Because, you know, I've been away. Look, here's a gift to everybody who, who listens to the show, all three of you. Here's the gift. Um, if I do another one, like, soon, I'll make a new, like, Gmail account so that people can email me because... It's really hard to email me or message me at all because I don't have social media and I don't want to and I don't need you ringing me at home, like on my mobile or whatever. So <laughs> I'll set up an email for you. See, I'll be nice. But anyway, i got like a few questions and I'm just going to do them in the order they came. We're going back to August 7th. It's like September 30 right now. Um, and this one's from Richard Trout, who I've met and know and love. And, well, I don't love him. I guess I do as a person. He's a lovely, he's full of love. And, and I love him. I, I uh, haven't seen him for ages. I've just seen him at some game day. You don't care. <laughs> I mean, Richard does, and I love him. But um, we'll start with him. And then I've got a few from uh, Murray, the Mars, who uh, has messaged before. I think that's it, but he sent like heaps. And then I've got, but they're good. Some questions. As well, not that I wouldn't be good. Some question, not some questions. Some poems at the end. All right. So we'll go through these awesome questions so these people feel loved because they do love. I love them, and uh, I want them to know that. And uh, then we'll keep going. Um, so the first one's Richard Trout. Okay, he asked me a question via the blog. I've got like like I've got a um, board game geek BGG. There's a blog of the show just so people can find it. I guess. Um, His question is, uh, okay, if you were introducing friends to board games, which three games or thereabouts would you try first? Okay, that's the first question, but then there's a follow-up thing. Uh, Imagine the group heard you knew something about board games and they asked you to introduce you to some, or what three questions would you ask to help you decide, like what to play with them? And he says, enjoying David's Game Show, it's certainly different, and I enjoy your reflections. What a nice guy. See, that's the sort of comment that will make people love you. It's positive, it's welcoming, it's loving, and it's just really positive. So I thank you, Richard Trout. Um, So starting at the top, if you were introducing friends to board games, which three games would you try first? This is going to be a really depressing episode. I don't introduce friends to board (laughs) (laughs) games ever um like for me to like firstly i need to find some friends but then like if i sat down with them i'm probably not gonna say like i like games that's just really like yeah i some people just got really offended and turned off because i'm bagging out the whole hobby i'm not i just i'm bagging out me um if you're introducing friends to board games which yes you've read the question already okay so um It never happens. There there were times in the past where I would try and get people to play games, but I don't anymore because it's never worked well. (laughs) If they were super keen and asked me for some suggestions, then sure, that's different. And that's the second part of his question, which I'll get to in a sec. But I'm taking this like a word at a time. This is going to be a long episode. But if, yeah, if, uh, okay, so let's imagine I were to introduce friends, I've got to find some friends to board games, they'd have to ask first. Which three games or thereabouts would you try first? I really don't know. Um, Let's say I've got some people here that are dying to play something. Uh, Never going to happen, but just say. um, And so firstly, I'd have to own the games. So that knocks out a lot. Um, And then they'd have to be quick. They'd have to be something I could introduce immediately. Like, because you don't know these people. Most people, as I'm going to talk about later, I think, hate rules. Um, so it's not going to be, it's going to be actually, th- this comes up again later in the episode. I'm going to talk about something to do with a game called Summer Camp that my brother designed. Really interesting take on non gamers so to speak, playing games, okay? So this will come back, but I'll just move quickly now. This is the longest answer for a simple question. Oh my gosh. So I'm looking at my games, right? I would probably do something like um, Drop It from Cosmos, which is basically like, you. it's a bit like Tetris. You just physically drop shapes into a sl- plastic hard case sleeve thing that holds them in and you're trying to get high and like score points higher up and not touch certain things, like almost no rules. And if you've played Tetris, it's got that sort of feel. So maybe that. Um, Maybe something like Clask, just a dexterity game, like a soccer-type table game. Um, And let's say if they like Uno or something like that. um, Oh, maybe something like... um, like a really simple roll and write that that's similar to Yahtzee, but but a bit quicker, easier, better. Like something like Quicks. That's a bit complicated. How about Quinto? That's from Games, Game Right. It's really like one of the most basic roll and writes ever, but it's probably got more strategy than Yahtzee in it. Stuff like that, or Bounce Off, which is like a Mattel game. I think. Or, well, you know, it's like Hasbro type thing where you're bouncing ping pong balls into a grid. Like, seriously, I like, if, if I don't know the people and uh, I don't know what they like and they don't even know if they like games, yet, even if they say they like them, they don't, they're going to sit down. Are they going to play it and enjoy it? This thing, oh, strike. That's a good one from Ravensburg. You're just chucking dice in a bowl thing. It's awesome. Things like that. Really stripped back, really bare. Something that can be played in five to ten minutes maximum, something that can be explained in less than a minute because you don't want to lose them. And you want the first thing to be positive. So something physical, hands on, different to a video game, a game that cannot be re implemented as a video game, something that says this is why this hobby is cool, but there's no rules overhead and very little strategy so they don't feel stupid. There, great. That's the answer. I think I got there um what three questions would I ask to help you decide I wouldn't uh, like I the only question I'd ask is what games do you like and try and take it from there I'm not trying to theme them up with like team them up with a game that's similar theme like seriously I tried when I when I was young and and stupid I tried to get my wife to like board games for years and it was just like she didn't like it so just don't like, so it's like, oh, I'll get that game about sewing because she sewed something before. And she's like, meh, I don't want to play a game about sewing. I want to sew something once, you know, like it's, it's, it's not like, I don't think like, okay, so many people like games about trains. I don't think they actually ride trains like steam trains or collect trains necessarily. They just like those games. Some people like, um, I don't know, games about killing people. That doesn't mean they go kill people. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, anyway, thank you, Richard Trout. That's my answer. I just think, like, sometimes it gets me down. You know, like, people are uh, not really down. Like, I don't really care. (laughs) But sometimes for a split second, I go, "Uh, uh." uh. Yeah, just for a split second, I go, uh. Because people like... um. Uh. (laughs) i I often feel that board gaming is a hobby that like hobby board gaming is trying to be a religion (laughs) it's like let's try and evangelize to people and get more people into the hobby and how am i going to promote this hobby and like just say you know someone who is a sewer or likes cross stitch do they come around and try and get you to do it too no hobbies are like personal but that's why board gaming is so difficult or different because you want people to play because you want to play with them because you want to play the games you spent money on that aren't getting played it's all very selfish so um it's like you know religion i don't know like i'm gonna oh gosh can you shut up david you're gonna offend everyone it's like i want people to be someone might say i want people to be in my religion because I want them to be, I want to be able to talk to them about. It. I want to be able to go to their house for a Bible study. I want to be able to feel good that I brought someone in. I want to, you know. But really, it's probably selfish. Like if I can get people in, then it's like I'm not in the on the wrong side of the discussion. Oof. For once, I might have to edit this. Um. I, I don't know if what I just said is true. I'd have to think about it. I'm just verbal diarrhea here. Um, maybe, maybe I believe what I just said. I don't know. Um, okay. Then we got a question from Thermaz Mari. Uh, he said, this is from August something. It's like, oh, September. Oh, this is from September two this month. Hi, I hope you're well. If I'm not late, ha, 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 ha. He says, I, I said the ha, ha, ha. If I'm not late, I'd like to ask a question. And then he says really nice things. Um, he says, you've been a lover of playing games for many years. You have a family connection with world class design. I think he's talking about my brother, but he's not world class design. Oh, his games might be. I don't know. <laughs> and you've been a game publisher. Yeah, I published games for like six, seven years, but I'm out of it now. Therefore, my, I, 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 I survived. Therefore, my question is, do you have any thoughts on the health of the industry? You put health in quotation marks because, you know, it's not an actual living thing. A new players. OK, so I'll just read it all, then I'll do it bit by bit. A new player is still coming into our hobby or has it plateaued? Um, are too many new games being published each year, which could lead to buyer burnout as an industry? Are we looking into ways we can lessen our impact on the environment? These are pretty heavy questions. Um, I just felt due to your unique position, you might have some philosophical thoughts you might like to discuss. And that's what I should call them, philosophical thoughts. I'm just going to ramble here. I bet, you know, in an hour I'll rethink everything and, and, and um, wish I hadn't said everything. I have no real kudos in this. What's the word? Like credibility here. These are just my thoughts, but at least I worked alongside or in it for seven years so I can sort of talk about it, right? But these are huge questions. I hope people don't mind hearing me talk about this. Do you have any thoughts on the health of the industry? Yeah, I do. (laughs) Again, I'm going to have to unpack this. So before I talk about health, the industry, I just want to say a lot of people feel like in the hobby that the board game industry is this coherent thing, like like we're all um, on the same page or every publisher talks to each other or There's like some method to this or some um, body that's directing traffic. There's none of that. I mean, often publishers talk to each other a lot because you become close through conventions or or staff moving around or whatever, But um, or just to be nice. You chat, but um, it's not like that. There's no unions for like I'm talking generally here. Maybe in some countries it's different, like in Germany, France um america even these are huge big markets that maybe there are industrial bodies i don't know about like in america there's gamma which is the game is it game and manufacturers association i'm not sure but they're sort of like trying to be an industry body for publishers manufacturers Though there isn't really many of that in america um shops retail all that stuff but seriously the last decade, I don't know if it's been a decade, but the last chunk of time, it's been just controversy after controversy. I've never joined Gamma. I mean, I'm not American, so I don't really, didn't have to or feel the need to, Um, but it didn't seem like they really, this is rude, but from an outsider who had nothing in it, didn't seem like they were doing much to help a publisher. Um, I could be wrong. I think they were more focused on helping retailers to see strategies and benefits and stuff um so there's industry if you want to just add up all the sales from all the companies and call that an industry then that's an industry i mean there's an industry as well in regards to like there's a chain you know someone designs a game they get a publisher to sign it and make the game develop the game they need a manufacturer then they need a shipper like there's an industry like that but it's not like it's all a coherent thing with a king of board gaming out there Um, it's like that this is why like the mass market industry is a totally different thing. People talk about Hasbro and the mass market as a different entity than all the hobby games that people listening to this show are talking about. And sometimes you might be thinking, why, why are they not the same? Well, it's because of things like this, they're different beasts, they're different kettles of fishes, they're different uh, money amounts. Whoa, like Hasbro alone dwarfs everything else added up together. The board game industry is small. Yeah, it's growing, but it's small. Anyway, do you have any thoughts on the health of this so-called industry? Well, it's interesting because recently, I think it was probably two months ago now, um, Eric Martin, who does BGG News on BGG, like my favorite reviewer slash blogger that is in board game. Well, the only one I look at anyway, (laughs) pretty much. he, he posted a video after Gen Con. I think it was in August. I'll get it. Yeah, I'll, yeah. here it is, August 16. And he posted a 23-minute video on his thoughts on Gen Con. And I think to a younger person in the hobby, as in a newer person to the hobby, he probably sounded or would sound very like uh, old man, boring, whingy. But he's just sort of based on his views and because he's very widely seen and 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 he's got his finger in every pie like he knows all the games coming out at least he he databases them you know he's he talks to a lot of publishers interviews a lot of people he's got his you know finger on the pulse of board gaming And, and he was going on about how in this video how um after gen con this year he felt like sure it was a happening place again but there was it, it was different to other years in that there were no hits. There were no it was just like a lot of games in a in a big pond and everyone just going around buying stuff and not really playing stuff and not talking about the stuff they've bought. It was just a place to buy and put on the shelf. At least that's how it felt to him. And to be honest, that's how the, the industry or the hobby has felt to me for years, half a dozen years. Um, maybe it's reached him at a different speed to me that feeling or maybe he's just voicing it now but for a long time now the majority of gamers buy a game sits on their shelf in shrink when i say majority i mean a lot of the hardcore heavy duty play all the time people they just buy stuff because they want it sort of for their collection they don't care necessarily when they play it, or if they do, they'll play it once, tick it off, that's okay, move to the next thing. And I'm not knocking this, just how it is. It's more like a collectible or a trophy than something to actually use and play and get to know before you move on. Certainly if you've got a lot of expendable income, which I don't, you just buy everything that comes along and you'll get to it at some point. But because games rarely stay in print for more than a year or a few months or one print run, It's sort of like I got to grab it now, I think a lot of people are saying, because I don't know if I'll get the chance again. And of course, in a year it has gone out of print, but you got your copy, but you're still working through the 50 other games you bought in the meantime. So what was the point anyway? You know, but this is how humans are. We're very see something. I want to own it. I want that to be mine. You know, I want to like a dog. I want to wee on it, whatever they do. I don't know dogs put their stink on it and then it's mine. Right? And, and by stink, I mean don't actually stink it up. I mean you you put some money in someone else's account and now you own this thing. Your stink, your money is now in that shop's account. So he's talking about this for a lot, right? A lot of time. And I basically agreed with everything he said. I mean, I, I'm a bit biased because I'd be sitting there at Gen Con, like he's talking about, and sell out of a game. You know, you sell out of a game. But then and everyone's like, wow, you sold out. But it's like, well, like, how many did you have? Um, that's why people were there to buy stuff, right? If you just spruik it well at the show, you're going to sell some games if you've got a good booth position. And that's important too, by the way. But um, so people buy this stuff, even stuff I've put out, and then nothing happens. You know, you think, wow, I sold 400, I don't know, 500 copies or something. It was great for that Week for the bank account but then nothing happened the game died or it just went away or it sold softly quietly or it sold really well and then stopped or because people are buying it but not necessarily playing it and if even if they do play it are they talking about it like online where people are going to see the thoughts and make them want to go play it and buy it right so it's really Tricky and weird. And part of it is because you need these other people, which I said at the start of the show. Like, if your hobby is reading books, firstly, most books are cheaper than most games, right? So you can buy a lot of books. You'll read it eventually. You'll put, if you put your thoughts online, fine. Or you might, you know, but like a board game, you need a few other people to commit to sit with you for that hour or two hours or whatever it is, learn it, play it, probably play it more than once so that you feel like I'm going to rave about this or whatever on any internet place you belong to. And that's how the buzz gets built. You know, it's, it's not like selling alone does anything because once the FOMO is gone, the fear of missing out, once those copies have been sold at the show or whatever, you know, like even like you might announce this game you got coming out as a publisher and people in your little circle might go wild about it. So they go everywhere like, oh, you should buy this. It's going to be great. And then you look and you're like, yeah, all those hundred people bought a game and I love them for it, but it didn't. You know, you need it. It needs to be a bigger thing. And often those hits are really hard to come by because most games are just a drop in the ocean and there's a ripple for a second and then they're gone. Um and I think a lot of publishers now, they get a lot of slack because what they're doing is they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what will stick. But I don't know what else you can do. Um, if, like, Unless you're a established group with established hits like what's now called Catan Studio, well, they can just put out another Catan thing or Ticket to Ride. Um, Days of One can just put out another Ticket to Ride thing, and it might be a hit in their eyes. But for someone else trying to start from nothing, you've got to fluke it like Gloomhaven, was that always going to be huge? No, it just fluked it like it does. I'm not saying it didn't deserve it, but it was the right thing at the right time. And you don't know a year before when you start working on the thing or before that, that it's going to be the right time for this. And, and you don't know how things are going to be taken. And, and it doesn't matter in a way how good the game is. Or how good the product looks, if they're just going to buy this and it sits on the shelf, it's never going to get, it's not going to become its own advertising tool, right? I forgot what I was talking about. (laughs) Is this talking about the health of the industry? Uh, Yeah. A new player still coming to the hobby, Murray then asked, or has it plateaued? I think as the population of the world continues to grow you like by default more people always be coming in but what's important for the industry is are these people that are coming in buying stuff and playing it if they're just buying stuff that's okay because it will keep in that it will keep people in business at least short term but if they don't buy play buy, play by play they're not going to um, help the industry grow and like before i complained you know people are trying to be like evangelists or missionaries with their hobby but it's sort of this vicious circle this hobby where if people aren't asking other people to play or come over or try this thing called board games then the stuff isn't getting played so they're probably not going to buy as much because they know they're not going to play as much you know like it's this vicious cycle um so i don't think it's plateaued but maybe the industry is like, I don't think new players coming in has plateaued, but perhaps because of the glut of games for the last 10 years, everyone's for 10 years has been saying there's too many games. Is that making the desire to buy and play plateau? You know, like I'm looking around me and I've got games that I adore, like adore. I could sell, I've got 300 something games, 350. I don't know. I'm limited by space. So, I'm often buying, selling, buying, trading, buying, selling. But I've got, I reckon if I had to, I could get down to 20 games and I would love them forever. But the problem is, those 20 games are never getting played because I don't have anyone else who loves them the same as me. So, I don't think the number of people coming into the hobby has plateaued. And I don't know for sure that the sales has plateaued. I can talk about that in a sec. But I do wonder if the excitement has plateaued. And that's what, Eric Martin's blog video was all about. And I suggest you go look at that. It was August 16, BGG News. Listen to his thoughts. And if you just disagree, at least you can see the thoughts of someone who's been in the industry as a media blogger for like 10, 20 years. Right. It might be interesting. Um, As for sales, I said I could talk about that. I'll tell you this, right. For established companies um, 2020. I think from what I've heard and seen was the best year ever for sales. Amazing sales. It was like December Christmas rush all year long. And that's because obviously I think people weren't able to play as much because of the pandemic. So they were buying stuff in the hope or looking forward to, they had more money because they weren't going out doing stuff. They had, the desire to buy games as something to do, something fun, go shopping online, get them sh- delivered. And they were looking forward to when this pandemic ends, I'm going to play all this great stuff. So sales went crazy. There was also, a, you know, probably non-gamers buying some games to play with their family. But that would have been more mass market hasbro type stuff, I assume. And those few hobby games that have crossed over. But... um. I know 2021, again, was a really good year, probably not as good as 2020. And it's impossible to say this is a general thing because there's no way that adds up every single dollar. We know what Hasbro makes because they announce it because they're a public company and they break it down. And yeah, their they're, gaming is smaller than their toys by far, I think, from memory. We know what Simon does because they're a public company. There's a couple of other companies, Peter Jackson and um, Stonemeyer that like to release their numbers to the media or i don't think they're public companies um you know to look cool or to look nice or to be open whatever their theory is um but most other things aren't added up we i think asthma day they sort of announced as well sorry they announced but asthma day is a bit tricky because it's like 50 companies added together it's hard to know like how different the sales are to before a company say was in the asthma day. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an asthma day has got distribution in there, all sorts of money. It's just blah. I'm talking, I'm starting to run out of things like I'm allowed to say. Um, but then I think this year has gone back again. I, I don't, th- because people have bought games. they haven't played um maybe there's less people coming in even though i just said i don't think so but maybe there's less people coming in because of the pandemic but i assume that will come up again um i just think there's like for years and years people have been saying there's too many games essen has too many games i can't keep track but what eric martin was saying in his blog which i fully agree with from my observations is there might not be more games now than in 2019 being released but they're all, it's just more of a smush. It's hard to say. There's nothing coming out that's really blowing the majority of people away like things used to be. That makes things feel a bit flatter. Really, I don't know for sure, though. As an industry, oh, wait, are too many games being, yeah, I think buyer burnout is probably happening with the established players. Murray. I don't know about new players. I think new players are still always going to be excited by everything and they'll just buy a hundred things if they can afford it, you know. But people who have been in the hobby for a while now, I think some of them, many of them are getting burnt out a bit. As an industry, are we looking into ways we can lessen our impact on the environment? A lot of companies are, but it's really hard to because there's only there's really only factories that make board games in China and a couple in Europe, and that's about it. So you're beholden to what those countries rules are or how easy it is to find better methods and pro- and, and, and materials through those people. So like, uh, so my brother just started a new kids games company, Joey games, and they're trying to be economically sustainable, carbon neutral, all that stuff. But it means their games are gonna be more expensive and it probably means their games are gonna be smaller print runs. I don't know, we'll see. Good luck, but I don't know. It's really difficult. If you want plastic in your game, boom, you're hurting the environment. If you want wood in your game, potentially boom, you're hurting the environment. Paper, boom, you're hurting the environment. So the main way I think the board game industry can lessen its impact on the environment is to do away with shipping do away with production and become another arm of the video game industry. That that's really, if, 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 if a board gaming company wants to make games, but not have much impact on the environment. And I know iPads get thrown away. I know we've got to do better at recycling e waste. I know, I know, but really putting a game, just making your game an implementation on Steam or iOS or whatever, that's probably the way to go. But that's not the way every game. So I just lost about half an hour. <laughs> I didn't realize this thing only let me record 30-minute bursts. I didn't even know I'd gone that long. So I'm going to try and go back and say what I said after that Cut because it was amazing. I, I said amazing things. I'm really disappointed. Oh, I'm not even sure what I've already said. <laughs> so please forgive me if I repeat myself because I'm not listening back to that. That was a half an hour. Here comes another half an hour, <laughs> but it's good. Um, So Murray asked as his fourth question, as an industry, are we looking into ways we can lessen our impact on the environment? And I said, go, I was very sassy and, you know, go be a video game designer then. But that's not what we want in that board games are tactile. They're face to face. They're a special thing. So we're sort of stuck within the environment problems. And I think the best way to lessen your impact on the environment, if you're a publisher, is to negate what you do by doing other things like plant trees you know try and be carbon neutral but i don't think you can not hurt the environment the way things are right now so that's sad um so murray these were great heavy questions thank you so much before i go to another question which because i see it wasn't just murray that asked questions i got one from a guy called b shanks b shanks oh and also richard trout so I'm going to go on to B Shanks question next. And then Murray asks one more. Um, gee, this is a long show, but before that, because all these had to do with the future or the current state of the industry, I want to go back to Eric Martin's video. And, and I know that you might think, gee, it sounds like a drag. It's, it's, again, it's the VGG news, August 16th post about his thoughts on Gen Con and how It was a great, exciting show, but there was no it was flat in that there were no hits and people weren't playing and talking about things they bought. They were just buying and moving on. And I've been saying how that's sort of how the industry has been for me as a player for ages, but under this, a lot of people commented, including a guy called Sebastian Zarzicki, who I don't know, he's from Poland, and he posted a very long thing about his thoughts on where the industry is after his years in the hobby. And I want to read them because I basically agreed with everything he said um, pretty much. And then a lot of people wrote and disagreed or uh, extrapolated on it. But really, I mostly agree with him. And this is my show. So he says um, first point, he has like ten points. In my experience, many non-heavy into hobby board gamers are perfectly okay with playing Splendor over and over. They don't have time nor the will to hunt for other games they're going to only play occasionally anyway. And I think this is true. I don't know that many occasional gamers are buying a lot of games. Um, I I heard recently that, uh, what is it? Um, Mark's, uh, Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson? Gosh, I'm having, I'm having a, I'm having a, I'm having a, my brain's flipped off. Board games to go. Gosh, <laughs> he he had a, a show on recently um, when he was talking about um, as a way of talking about how the hobby's going. Let's look at what's on the shop shelves in Target. And I mean, this he admitted that um, Mark admitted that this was really just looking at the U.S. because. Um, other, he like he's just talking in his experience. And yes, we do have Target and Kmart in Australia, but just so you know, they're different entities. At some point, somewhere in the past, they're owned by an Australian group called Coles At least they were last time I checked. And at some point in the past, the people that ran these shops is like, well, let's buy the rights to the name and logo of these American shops, and I don't know, maybe their success will rub off on us, but so what we have in our target and kmart as examples aren't the same as what you would see in america the logos are different maybe you know so we have similar shops though but we don't really have much of the hobby games going into the mass market shops if you want a a hobby game in australia buy it online or you go to one of the few shops that are around for that purpose but um um, you know, so he was saying these games are now big in target. So this says people, perhaps uh, the hobby's growing. People out there in the world are buying um, more games. I don't know that's true because I, I think maybe it's hobby gamers going to target to buy these games. or it's going back to what I said before, um, people might be going to American Target and buying this thing but not playing it because it's too much, it's too big. So yes, that's a, that's a point in the sales tally. Like That's a sale for that company and for Target or whoever we're talking about. But will that person be back again to buy another game because they got burnt? Um, and yeah, most people are happy just by playing the same games over and over again. When I was a kid, I just played Scotland Yard over and over again, played Cluedo over and over again, Connect Four. Um, what's it called guess who i didn't care i didn't really want anything else really i mean if something else happened i would want it but i wasn't looking for it um i know i'd happily play you know today but i don't really want to play it 10 times in a year and there are people out there playing it 10 times a week you know it's just how it is some people love some games and they just stick with it and that's what the builders yara's awards about it's for that person but i mean this is Interesting. So Summer Camp, my brother designed this game. It was a target exclusive for a while. In America, some companies sign up to do a target exclusive. It's a bit it's sort of a a ribbon in your cap or a feather in your bow or whatever it's called, but it's a bit risky because you have to have so many copies of the game printed and available. And if they don't sell in the correct time, you've got to buy them back. Like. So it's risky, and some games have flopped because of this, but um, people give it a go. Um, oh, this talks about Walmart. That's another big American shop. We don't have that here. But um, so there's this post on Summer Camp's BGG listing called Random Target Customer Bad Reviews. This person, Jason Heard, just is making the point that we think this is a great gateway game, Summer Camp, and I do. I love it. That's why I've subscribed to it. I think it's a great deck builder, at least for not a heavy one. And he goes, I feel bad because he's seen by looking at the reviews online and stuff that people aren't getting it, and so it's probably not doing so well. For example, he writes this he, he copy paste this target customer review. Did not enjoy it at all. That was capital letters. Way too many instructions and rules and if, then, buts for young children to play. It comes with a 14-page instruction booklet to a board game which says it all. Pass. Now, if you've read that rule book, it's a very sparse rule book. It's over 14 pages because it's full of pictures and, and the words, there's like a few sentences on each page sometimes. It's... But these are people that want to buy a game thinking it's a guess who that they can just drop on the floor in front of their kids and their kids can figure it out. Your kids aren't going to figure this out. It, it is considered a gateway game in the hobby gaming sphere. But if you did the, d- the deed of dropping this in a bunch of 10 year old kids, it's going to be a flop. I see that now. This review says it too um buffalo games the publisher even replied to this target thing saying we're sorry to hear this thank you for your honest feedback we value your opinion blah 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 so here's another one this is from another target customer who said who had played ticket to ride but summer camp was too much for them this is what they said about summer camp and again if you've played summer camp, this will be more interesting to you. If you don't, just take my word for it, that as far as hobby gamers go, it's a very light game. There's a bit of setup, but it's a light game to play. It says it took over an hour to set up, read the instructions and attempt to start this game. Okay. And a lot of people say, well, you're an idiot, but that's not fair. Like if if you gave me something that was out of my wheelhouse, it would take me a long time to figure out too. The reviewer continued, there are way too many cards and random instructions. So firstly, there are way too many cards, but they're in boxes, they're in deck boxes, and you're only meant to open a certain amount for each game. But I can see why that's overwhelming. Random instructions, this will come up in a sec. But it's like, for me, when I read the rules, my head fills in gaps and I know There's reasons for for the design to work why these rules exist. But to someone who's used to playing Connect Four or Guess Who, there's like three rules in those games, right? So these people continue. We then watched the video in order to make sense of all the cards and random instructions and grew more confused. So some people say, oh, but if you make your, your rules into videos, people will find them more accessible. Not necessarily so. Why the random starting merit badges for different number of players that have to be specific amounts? That's so for different player counts, you got different scores tokens. So I don't know. In a three-player game, first place might get ten points, second place five points, third place two points, something like that. And in a two-player game, they're different. In a four-player game, that different. Someone like you or I listening to this show, we know why that's the case to make things work in different player counts. But they found that a barrier. Why do some cards have energy numbers and others don't? Because some cards you could buy and some cards were starting your cards. Why do you have to discard all of the cards after each hand? Because it's a deck builder, right? But the snack bar tokens get to stay, limit six. You know, like for us, that's not a big deal. <laughs> Why do you start on a different starting point depending on the number of players? or that's marked on the board, you don't think that's a big issue, but it's because it's to make each game different lengths of times. A two-player game where you start where the four-player game starts is going to feel way, way too short. Way too many confusing details. We unfortunately never played the game because the adults were cursing and the kids were over it. The colors are nice and the pictures are cute. Oh, we also didn't like its limit to four players. That seems kind of small. We're going back to Ticket to Ride, which has five players. <laughs> but anyway. Um, it's just interesting, right? And and the poster Jason goes on to discuss this a bit. Gateway games are still important, but maybe a gateway game isn't exactly what we think it is. And maybe the people that buy games in mass market shops aren't playing them. So whether that means the industry is healthy or not, time will tell. But it could mean that these people aren't coming back for seconds. I think that most sales of these big shops are people who know what they're doing, just buying them there because the price is better. Funnily enough, under this summer camp thing, there's a link to a thread I didn't know existed from 2013. And so these games have been in American mass market shops for a long time. So it it links to something posted by Jennifer Derrick in 2013. So I had to go to Target today. In front of me is a, a woman with a large bag. She gets to the counter, she starts unloading board games. Pandemic, Flashpoint, Fire Rescue, Deadwood and Catan. All are out of shrink. So these games have been in Target for almost 10 years. The cashier asks the woman what's wrong, why she wants to return them since they're open. My kids got these for Christmas and they're supposed to be games, but these aren't games. Well, we can't take them back. Well, we had to open them so we could try to play them, but one look at the rules and they're too hard. We'll never figure them out. They're not games. I don't know what they are, but games are supposed to be fun and these aren't. And it goes on. But the difference with this thread from nine years ago is it, was, it turns into uh, abusive um, put downs on this woman as being stupid. And I just find that sad. I mean, the thread was locked. So I guess the admins did in the end too, but it, if you have guess who connect for battleship on a shelf and then Catan, they might go, the, the, the person buying the game, might be like, Oh, that'd be good for a Christmas present. Boom. And then the kid opens it and like, how are they going to make head or tail of Catan? You need someone to, if you're not a gamer, you need someone to teach you that game. I mean, maybe people are buying these games because they were taught them, so they can play them. That's fine. I don't know. But I think mostly what I said before. Anyway, read that thread. It's really interesting. So this has been an issue for a while now. I mean, Catan has sort of reached... In America, anyway, it, it's sort of almost, not not quite, but almost as recognizable as something like Scrabble and, um, and Monopoly. But I mean, Monopoly and Scrabble, you might say, well, they're complicated. Yeah, but they've been in the minds of people, in the ethos, in the ether for decades and decades. So you're going to find someone who around you probably who knows how to play it, who can teach it to you, even if they teach you the wrong rules, they'll teach you something playable. But Catan, maybe not so much. And and I mean, games that are really bit, like Azul, I wonder about. Like it's sold over a million for sure. Easy. It's one of the big hits of the decade, the last 10 years. But I wonder how many people bought it thinking it looked pretty or looked like mahjong or, or something they know and then just couldn't figure it out. Okay, back to Sebastian Zarzicki's thoughts about the industry. Number two, gosh, I'll be quicker. Many board game hobbyists reached a storage saturation peak by now. They've amassed a great deal of fantastic games from the last 20 years, much more cautious about getting new games, blah, blah, blah. I think that's true. I mean, everyone's different. Some people have more storage space than others or more money to spend than others. But the longer you go, the more gamers will start buying less games. (laughs) Is that a formula? Number three. Most of the board games released in recent years are, I'm sad to say this, mediocre, derivative, and shallow. He talks a lot, but I'm just doing it quick now. I mean, at first I thought when I read that, that's not true. Arc Nova is a huge hit this year, it seems to be anyway. But then I thought, well, hang on. Arc Novas like bits of four games put together. It's got the track from um, Rajas of the Ganges. It's got like the Castles of Burgundy build my hexagonal thing in front of me. It's got the card power system of like, um, what's it? Um, Civilization, New Dawn sort of a thing. It's got got the card stack and, and similar engine building to Terraforming Mars. It's a lot of games stuck together. That's not bad. I'm just saying you might love the game, but you're not necessarily raving about it the way you would have raved about a Dominion or a Love Letter or a Pandemic you know, or a ticket to ride or a Carcassonne or a Catan, because those things were really new, really different. Um, a lot of things are a bit derivative now. It, it, the longer you play, the more you see that you still might love the games. I'm not saying you're not happy, but you're not happy in the way you used to be happy when you're a new gamer, everything seems exciting. But as time goes and games aren't getting more interesting or dynamic, you start to get a bit, not jaded, but just less excited about new games. And and many people on BGG and other forums who have been around for 10 plus years start talking about the older games. You see it happen all the time. They start talking about the older games. And it's not just that they're like, oh, music was better when I was a kid or whatever. It's just that there's less... That they found their niche, the stuff they love and that's not coming out anymore or it's come out 50 times. So I'm happy with the five I already had. Um, I think this is a problem with reviewers too because just like publishers come and go every year, like like publishers you, you might think well there's still the industry must be good because there's so many publishers. Publishers die every year, the companies, but new ones come in, you know to fill the gap, thanks to Kickstarter. So it's just a constant circling of people. It's the same um, with reviewers. As a publisher, did I already say this? As a publisher, it's hard to know who to get to market your game because this person gets views and hits today, but they might not next week. You know, Um, it's really hard. So the, the reviewers that have not been around a long time, they don't have the scope or the experience to say like, um, this game was really good, but it was this game plus this game plus that game with a bit of that game mixed together, or this game exists because that game came first and that game before it, which I think is interesting discussion and, and description, and it helps me to know if I like a game better. But for new newer gamers, that's irrelevant information. Um, and so a lot of games often get passed off as being creative or different or new, but really they're not um, because The current circle of newer people haven't seen what's come before it. So I think as people get older in the hobby, they get excited less, so they probably buy less. And yes, we're talking generally speaking, not everyone. His fourth point, Sebastian goes on to say, "Um, so here's a revolution, he says, that hits people around their fifth year of the hobby. Most board games are relatively shallow. You cannot possibly offer infinite depths play the game ten times and you've probably consumed it totally. This is probably true for many games. Uh, I think more interactive games, more party games, this is irrelevant because that's more about the people you're sitting with the table at the table with. It's not about quietly sitting and figuring out strategy. It's about just a a tool for having fun. But many bigger euros or strategy games do have an end limit in their grasping of (laughs) weird sentence like it might take 10 plays and those 10 plays may take you 10 years so who cares but it's probably true that these games often seem very deep when you first play them but many games aren't deep after the 10th play and that might be fine you still might like them but he's saying this is a reason why people might be buying less games Um, Number five, this leaves us with a chunk of new people that just got into the hobby, still riding the hype wave. They aren't collectors yet. They're still obsessed with games, blah, blah, blah. Um, But in his opinion, Sebastian, this amount of people is getting smaller every year thanks to COVID, pandemic, war, raising costs. People are spending their time differently now. Could be true. I don't know. I don't know that many people. It could be that people now are going to take their time less for granted, which is a good thing. They might be outside more. These things are not good for the board game industry. (laughs) Okay, six publishers still don't have the budget or will he puts in brackets, but really it's budget to invest heavily into marketing. So how can you find the game you want that you know you're going to love? There's just too many games out there. He's just basically giving a reason for Eric Martin's video. Marketing's really hard because the mark the, the board game industry is one where the marketing happens through YouTubers, really. And so you need to find the YouTubers that are gonna find viewers. You can advertise on some sites, you can advertise on Board Game Geek, you can advertise on Kick Track, you can advertise on through backer kit, you can advertise um, Facebook. But it's not always easy to know how effective those ads have been. In fact, it's almost never easy to track and trace those ads. Um, I won't go into it now, but it's difficult. So like marketing, it's a huge thing. I don't really want to go into it now because I don't make this a six hour podcast, but that maybe if you want to hear more about it, please ask me about it. But it's not as simple as many people on the internet think to just go click market, click button called market and the sales and the hype will come. You can advertise like crazy. You can get influencers to show your game and still have a horrible Kickstarter. It's it's not that simple. There's a lot going on, and there are ways to do it better than 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 others. But it's not a science. It's a it's a it's an art, I think. And you need somebody who knows board games and the industry and the hobby, but also how to market. And I think more people are getting those two credentials in line, but because it's not a huge industry, there's not a whole lot of jobs and a lot of whole money to make those jobs. So a lot of people that do the marketing are only doing it part time for companies or in their spare time or they might be doing it for three companies at once, you know, so it's not going to be like. Like when when a when a movie producer, when a movie publisher, what are they called? When a movie studio markets their movie at least before the pandemic it was massive you'd see it on buses you'd see it in the sky you'd see it on bus stops and you'd see it in the buses (laughs) it was everywhere you know what i mean all right Seven, Sebastian, selling games in general doesn't scale as a business. You're selling one copy, but for that copy to be usable, it needs to accommodate two to five people, and those two to five people aren't going to purchase the game. So you're only ever selling to 20% of your actual customer base. That's true. That's true for everything. So I don't think this is as much of an issue. I mean, it's not true for everything. Movie tickets, we just talked about movies, didn't we? Everyone who wants to see that movie, unless they're dodgy people, has to buy a ticket. Fine, but a DVD or, or a streaming service. That's the modern word for it. You'll have one streaming service for everyone in your house to use. Right. So it's the same thing. A book you might buy, but then you share it or borrow it, you know, lend it to people, um, a video game, you know, I just bought Splatoon three my sons will play that too i didn't buy them a copy so it's i don't i think that's a moot point and i think if a game is good enough and exciting enough i think those people will some of them will buy it because um they want to own it too but i i don't know number eight everything just got more expensive price of game shipment and whatnot well that's true but that's going to affect everything, not just board gaming. And I assume it'll affect everything at approximately the same rate. So if board game sales go down well, everything's going down, that like that might be true, but there's nothing we can do about that. Nine, I don't believe the new generations of gamers, people in their 15 to 25-year-olds now, are particularly keen on playing slash owning board games. They've grown in a different world full of false advertising, 15 minute popularity, YouTube's TikToks and digital world. Playing board games doesn't gel well with the dream of becoming the influencer. Well, I mean, some of me is like, no, because there are influences who are trying to be for board games. But I think he's probably right. I don't think a lot of 15 to 25 year olds buy board games, but that doesn't mean they won't by the time they're 26 to 30. You know, I think I don't know, but it's possibly true that the younger generations of today are not going to be the big physical owners that people are today Um, because they don't own any music, they don't own any movies, they don't own anything except their clothes and their devices because they can just stream everything else and board games are different. I think you'll always find people who fall in love with board games and they will buy stuff as they grow up. But I'm worried in a sense that I don't think the modern younger person's brain is necessarily keen on board games. And there'll be people, there are people in these comments that go, well, my kid loves games. Well, mine don't. And if they were gonna grow up in a house that was gonna make them love games, mine was it, right? But it didn't happen. I wonder in the houses where um, board gaming is passed down to children, is it just because the parents forced them or gave no other options? That's mean. Of course not. I doubt it. But I think some kids genetically are much closer to their parents than some. I mean, of course, all kids have 50% the genes of each parent. I'm not, I mean, that, that, that jumble of genes and DNA comes out, results in someone similar personality-wise to their parents, sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so, you know, I think he's right from my experience, but I know it's not true for every experience. Um, and then he sort of, his point 10 is similar to a previous one. The comparison to movies is spot on We are degenerating towards easy, familiar things, cheap thrills. It's easier, quicker. There's more money in that sort of stuff. That might be true, but I think there's always going to be people that love games and want to make them. It's just, will there be people to buy them? We'll see. I'm not worried. I think if anything, the industry's after all this, the industry is probably really healthy, Um, but there are signs, I guess all this chat is to say that it's not necessarily what you think it is. And there's going to be, for some companies, a hard road ahead. That's why a lot of companies are merging or getting swallowed up by bigger companies. It's much easier to function and survive in that way. Oh, Thanks for the question.
1: David, darling, why have you stopped?
0: Because I just needed a break. But I've got my chocolate chip biscuits now and my cup of tea and a Jeeves and Worcester mug, so I'm happy.
1: You are such a nerd.
0: I guess. I like books. I like Jeeves and Worcester. I like biscuits. I don't think biscuits are nerdy.
1: Well, they could be. It depends. But the fact that they're with a Jeeves and Worcester mug, that's nerdy.
0: Gosh, you know, Jeeves and Worcester would have been cutting edge, very radical in its time. It's not nerdy at all.
1: Just be quiet. Why have you stopped?
0: I said I needed a break.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot. But uh, you know how I said that it was all very thrilling and exciting and you shouldn't have stopped? Did you? Well, I was going to say that, but I've changed my mind because I think it was boring. You've been talking for over an hour and you answered two questions and you've still got, like, two left.
0: I know. I'll be quicker.
1: Also, when are you going to use me more? Like, I... I usually have a story, like... It's not just banter with you, but we have a story that goes through the episode each week of this dumb show. What's the story today?
0: The story is just getting back on track, okay? I didn't think about you, to be honest. What? All right, we're getting there now, I think. That was a big answer to a big set of questions. I've got, like, a couple more quick ones from Murray, but I'll leave that for the end. Um, I got one from B shanks first time listener, long time. No wait, First time rider. So welcome B shanks. I hope I replied to you saying thank you. Ugh, if I didn't, I'll get on that. Um, Oh, this guy might be. So before I think I said, Mark Jackson of board games to go. That's someone else. Mark Johnson. I'm so sorry, Mark. I don't know. My head's weird, but B shanks. Great name, by the way. Um, I'll remember that if I have another kid. But, like, he learned of my podcast from Board Games to Go because Mark shouted out to me, like, a couple of shows ago. So I should shout out to him. Hello, Mark, you've got a good show called Board Games to Go. That was really a song, not a shout. All right, two questions, if you are still accepting them. (laughs) Yes. He also sent a haiku, which we'll read at the end because I did a call out for haikus. Question one, Android Netrunner. So I talked about Android Netrunner a couple of times because it's one of my favorite games. Android Netrunner is no longer being produced by Fantasy Flight and it appears that super fans at Nisei, Nisei, I never knew how to pronounce that, have taken over the game. As a fan of the game, I imagine you might be happy that the game lives on, but as a designer yourself, how do you feel that Mr. Garfield may not be receiving any royalties? Whoa, oh gosh, I can't spend half an hour on this one. I'm sorry, B. Shanks, but how about we say this? If I don't answer this well enough in your eyes, ask again a follow-up question. Okay, Mr. Shanks, here we go. And by the way, you better have some nice shakes tonight not B Shanks, I want you to eat some A Shanks. Actually, is Shanks your surname? It could be. Like it's not one name, B Shanks. Maybe it's B space Shanks. I'm sorry, I don't know. But Mr. Shanks, to answer your question, I had not heard of this. So I had to do some Googling and and some exploring and he's right, I, I because I must have stopped subscribing to the Netrunner on um, BGG, I didn't know. But for the last year or two, it's been happening again. There's like a, a a community again around this game thanks to these fan-made expansions that are being done really nicely. I'm not sure. I'll just jump to the payment thing. I didn't look enough if you have to pay for this or if it's just print and play. If you have to pay for it, then these people better watch out. They might have, um, who is it? Um, who owns Magic... Uh, Wizards of the Coast, they also own Netrunner, which Fantasy Flight had to license the game from to make Android Netrunner. But but Fantasy Flight don't own the rights anymore. So if they're going to get sued, it's probably going to be from um, the people who own Netrunner. But I'm not sure they can because they're using the art style and like they're making their own art, aren't they? They're making their own assets. They're just making the game these new mini expansions compatible i'm not sure how it works because wouldn't you notice the cards in the deck i guess you use sleeves yeah okay sure um anyway i'm really excited about it but i'm also not excited about it because i don't know anywhere or anyone who plays it anymore near me so if i was to go out and try these new cards i'd be just playing against myself and and that's not really so fun So I'm not going to get any of them, sadly, even though they looked really cool, the cards I had a look at. Like, they know what they're doing. And I even saw some posts that the game's in a better position now than it was when Fantasy Flight were doing it, and that's cool. But I just – I've passed on it. I think if I had a friend and if that friend wanted to play it, sure, but I don't have that friend anymore. Like, I don't know anyone, and I'm not going to go into a game shop and there's not going to be a tournament on it. So I don't know how it affects me. I wish it did, but it doesn't. As far as Mr. Garfield getting royalties, sadly or not sadly, anyone can go make fan expansions. Um, Isn't that how Bezier Games started? They, They made fan expansions for Age of Steam, Martin Wallace game. If you go on BGG, you can find fan expansions for Ticket to Ride, for all sorts of stuff especially older stuff when people seem to be more creative. Um, I don't know what that meant. That's not true. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if he's missing out on much because these are just – these aren't selling original cards to mix them up with. Um, It's just fan expense. At least that's how it looked. If they're actually ripping off the old game, then that's a different issue. I'm not sure they are. I think they're just making some things that are compatible. If they're using other icons and assets that Fantasy Flight own, that's a problem, too. But that's up to Fantasy Flight as a copyright owner to protect. I used to work in copyright law for a little while. And copyright law is a bit complicated in that every country has its own laws. And I can tell you what the law would be here if I knew it. but. I don't know what it would be in America where Fantasy Flight is and, I, and where Nisei is, I don't know. So I can't really talk to whether anyone's due royalties from this or could sue from this, but I just don't know. And and it's really up to... Copyright law is can only be upheld by the copyright owners. There's no one out there going, that looks dodgy. I'm going to go ring up... You know Disney and tell them someone's invented this character called Mookie Moose. It's not like that. You have to find it and and do something about it. I mean, there—that's not totally true. Actually, some providers of content like YouTube and that don't want to get in trouble now or down the road, so they're getting good at sort of vetting things. But it's it's not it's not one hundred percent so difficult. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't even know why – I don't know the story why Fantasy Flight lost the license. Did they want to lose it? Had they had enough of it? Um, did Wizards of the Coast have plans down the line to release Netrunner again, but they're waiting for Fantasy Flight's version to sort of die off? And so if they do put out another version, are they going to get angry at Nisei? Or is it really they just wanted the rights back because they didn't want a competitor to, to Magic? It could have been just that. There's a lot of companies out there buying rights to stuff just so that it can't exist alongside something similar they've already got. Don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And this doesn't make it right, but I'm sure uh, Mr. Guff is is not missing this small amount of royalties personally. But I don't think he's owed anything. If he didn't design the cards, if it, they might... If they're selling cards, they might owe a license. They should have a license. They might owe, a court might find a licensing fee. But Richard Garfield isn't designing this stuff, so I don't know if he's owed royalties here. I, it's just murky, and it really would need the owners of this copyright to get to terms to, to, to care and then get to terms with um, what to do about it. I can't say, and I'm not. I don't know if anything wrong is happening there. But it's really interesting. And it's cool as well. And I wish I had the time to play it. B. Shank's second question is, what are your favorite games at different player counts? Wow. (laughs) That's huge, isn't it? That's a fun question. Um, Why don't I pull up an advanced search on BGG of my favorite games? And I'll try in live real time, extrapolate out what my favorite games are at each player count. So if I go, okay, filter by rated by Huffer2, which is me on BGG, and I'll do, um, um, I can't do, let's do one to six players. All right. I could just do specific solo games, specific two player games, specific three player games, but that's a whole other thing, okay but I want this by my ranking, not the BGG rankings. Uh, Oh, They don't want to hear this. What the heck? This isn't, I can't, I can't do that. Uh, This is boring radio. Um, What I'll instead do is just do it off the top of my head and come up with things later that i wish i said okay so start with one player games what are my favorite one player games well looking around i can tell you i like really if i was to play something solo it's usually a short quick puzzly thing like cities by martin f from like 10 years ago uh or um what's it called oh gosh Oh, come on. This is so boring. Talk cities. I like Friday by freedom and freeze. I don't play it much anymore though. I like number nine. That's the other one I was trying to think of. Number nine is a fun little solo game. I like playing cooperative games solo, like pandemic with two players. Um, some Euro games have a nice solo mode, like Santa Maria, La Havre, but really I like games where the solo mode, if it's a solo mode, is the same. I don't want to learn an extra game just to play it solo. I don't want to be rating and reviewing and thinking about a game in two different ways, multiplayer and solo and so many games. Now, the solo mode is some extra thing where you got robots to control. I've just I don't if I like the game multiplayer, I want to play it that way solo. Um, Switch and Signal I talked about once before. That's pretty fun solo, multiplayer, uh, co-op. I like, there's, there's a lot. I, there's some role and rights that work really well too, like um, Avenue and Trails of Tukana. My favorite solo game used to be Marquis, which is a game from like 2013. It was P&P, but it was eventually released by a small company. Um that was my favorite because it was so cutting edge at the time i thought it was so cutting edge that the designers of the solo mode of viticulture basically just lifted that system and put it into viticulture and i don't think Marquis's designer got any royalties for that i mean just talking about the other thing with richard garfield you can't copyright ideas so you can basically rip off with some provisos, you can't just copy paste the rule book and stuff, but you can rip off another game and not get sued or anything. And the more I played that system though, I just, I think I'm sort of done with it now. I played it 20 times, I think, but it was amazing at the time. For now, I just like solo games that they're that, that quick to, to set up, quick to remember how to play quick to tear down. I, I don't, I'm pretty lazy. I, I have kids and a cat. I can't leave a game out. It'll get wrecked. Uh, there's probably more, but that, that's a start. I mean, you know, like here's okay, here's some bigger games that work really well solo because there's not really any differences Lost Ruins of Arnak, um, Ag- Agricola, um, uh, Forbidden Island. Um, um, I'm just looking at my shelves. Santa Maria um small world came out with a solo mode recent last year in the pandemic i think that works Everdell's okay no i don't like that so that's got these extra rules again glass road um blah 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 there you go <laughs> two-player what's my favorite two-player game i i there are some two-player only games that i love this was my big favorite genre but as you have less people or less game nights with just one other person, I've got less of them now. But games like Targi, um, Odin's Ravens, the second edition. Um, what else have I got? Star Realms is still pretty good. Um, th- there's a lot of back and forth two-player card games of old that are really good um, that I won't list all now. Uh I basically don't own a game. This is actually true. I don't own a game or very few if it doesn't work at two because I like to have games that are more likely to get played. Um, And so if I have one person around, I'll have just as much chance as if I have three other people around, you know, or more. I really like games that work well at two players. Um, I really should have prepped for this, I'm sorry, but but you know, here you go. This is what I got for you. I got a lot of games that work well at two that I love. Agricola, the two player game, or creatures big and small, that's good. But yeah, I just got a heap of games that work well for two, three, and four players, you know. Karuba, um I like Luxor, I like um Merv, I like uh there's heaps. <laughs> oh, I should have thought. So basically, though, there are games, as we all know, that that work better with less than more. Usually they work better with less because they're too long with more players. So games like Arc Nova, I'm never gonna play with more than two or three. Um, but a game like Mysterium is way better with three, four, or five. Uh, So really, I needed to have made a list. This is becoming pretty clear to me. I'm sorry. So let's just pick a few and say they're my favorites. Okay, favorite solo player game. Let's say it's um, number nine. Favorite two-player game. Let's say it's um, Targi. Although I just thought of Castles of Burgundy. I think that's perfect at two. My favorite three-player game. Let's say it's... Um oof. maybe something like an underwater cities that's chunky but not too chunky with three, or like a really cool co-op, like Minara, or um or or, or like a, a, a light medium game like a Luxor or a Runestones, um, where it's just you're done in half an hour, you know, that sort of a thing. Favorite four-player game? Let's say I can't really go past Ticket to Ride Carcassonne. Actually, that could be three-player too. Um, Sushi Roll, if you want to go lighter. If you want to go heavier, I really like... um, I don't know, something like Bruges. Five- and six-player games, there's much less. I don't like most games that are that heavy, are that wide play count unless there are a, uh, a, a, a party game. And I love lots of party games at that play account too many to list. So let's think of a not party game. That's good at five to six. How about Chinatown? How about, um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't own a lot of them. So looking around, it's hard to see. I'll just say party games at that point. That was a. I'm sorry, B Shanks. Thanks for joining the show, but I'll think. I'll think better. Those were just some thoughts. I should have had a list, but that's a big. Maybe next time I'll do a list, an actual list. All right. Last question. I think um, it's from Murray again, isn't it? I thought I had another one from Murray, the Mars. Don't I? Don't I? Oh no! Oh, here it is. <laughs> Given a choice, do you have a maple color you like to play as? Good, an easy question. Yeah, usually I'm red, just because that's what I usually am. And if I, because the reason is because my brother always plays green, and you know he can have it. My cousin—these are the two people I play most, ninety percent of my games with. My cousin plays blue all the time because he's a he's a man, I guess the boy color guy. So we got green guy, we got blue guy. So I always took red. I'm much more placid. You know, I can imagine I just let them pick first every time. I'm not taking yellow. Scarish. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just picked red. I like red, I guess. So but then when I don't play red though, because as I said I'm placid, if someone else in another situation takes red, I let them take it. I'm constantly moving red or thinking I'm red. It's really annoying. Okay, Danny says, this is a good one to end on. You have said you are a fan of old movies. Is there a genre you're particularly like? And further, is there a particular decade or era of old movies that you enjoy the most? Do you have a favorite actor actors? Oh, this is nice. You get to find out a bit about me as a person. A genre that I particularly like. I really like comedies from, so old movies, let's say before the 70s, but So I'll go to the decade era question first. Pre-1970, for sure. Probably pre-1960, early 60s, you know, before the Beatles stuff. Not that they're movies, but you know what I mean? Before the world got hip and happening. (laughs) So usually 50s and back, okay? But my favorite era is definitely the silent era from um, the real landmark people at the start, like the Lumiere brothers, George Mellier, the um, Thomas Edison studio. Yeah. All that up to talkies and even, you know, I love the thirties as well, but I still love the forties and fifties, but they're sort of different. They're more mature. Um, Movies have grown up by that point, but I still love them. But my favorite genre is definitely, or decade is definitely the twenties sort of stuff silent movies but a genre that i particularly like or comedy but um drama is good too i i really or or sort of suspenseful type things i don't really like and mysteries i don't really like um adventures and they're fine but back then there wasn't as many anyway do um, our favourite actor actors? Well, okay, let's start at the beginning. So I really like—I think Chaplin is the is on top of the heap, amazing. But to stay in the silent era, and that's for all time. But to stay in the silent era, let's go. Like, um, I also really love. Well, the top three, are so-called um, in comedy. Anyway, you got Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd. Love them all. There's others I love too, but more niche and I'm trying to keep this episode to under 16 hours. So ask me a follow-up question. Um, you could ask me, you know, your favourite movies of these people or tell me more about the people you didn't mention, you know. But I also love other people from this time as well, like Clara Bow. Um, what's his name? Junior. No, Senior. Lon Chaney Senior. He's amazing. In, in in his roles, there's others. That's off the top of my head. Um, oh, and Douglas Fairbanks was well, his wife, Mary Pickford, that sort of stuff. They're all good. But since the talkies, um, <laughs> I talk about it like it was recent. Who would I like? Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart. I'm I'm focusing on men here. I know I'll come back. Um, Jimmy Stewart, Cary Grant. Uh that that'll do for that. For women, I really love um, Ingrid Bergman, um uh Catherine Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn. Uh Catherine Hepburn though. No. Spencer Tracy's good too, but he's a bit different. Um is getting boring again, isn't it? I also love the Marx brothers. I love Well, that'll do, I'm going too far, too deep. That gives you an idea of of what I really like. Woo. now we're going to end the show with some haikus because I asked last time for haikus and I said I'd write some probably, but I didn't. But why not say, let's give this as a chance to everyone to show off their haikus. Okay then. So I've got a couple. Oh wait, first Murray did a poem. It's not a haiku. Oh, no, wait, it wasn't a haiku. Wasn't it limericks? I did haikus and I asked for limericks, that's it but I got a haiku. This is from B. Shanks. This is good. Is David's game show a show about board games or someone going mad? I think we all know the answer to that, Mr. Shanks. All right, the Mars. He gave us a poem, a limerick, sorry, a limerick. Here we go. I do like to play Glass Road. Tis my favorite uve, you know. Though I've not tried Nuss Ugh, I put the y in the wrong spot. I'm starting again. Thank you, Murray. Here we go. I do like to play Glass Road. Tis my favorite uve, you know. Though I've not tried Nusfjord Fjord or gotten Halatau on board, and Bonanza doesn't play well so low. See, that was good, wasn't it? I mean, road doesn't exactly rhyme with no and Solo low because it's got a dirt at the end, but. It's called creative rhyming. It's got um, assonance. You can look that up anyway, so it, I'll allow it because it has assonance. Anyway, um, I've played Glass Road, Northjor and Halllito and Bonanza. Bonanza is amazing like Bonanza is one of these games like oh you're going on a tangent? Bonanza is one of these games that because of all the interaction, you don't need depth and replayability. It's just always going to be a good time, right? But it's hard to play because you need a few players to play it right. Halatau's one of my favorite Uwe's of all time. It was his most recent big one. Nussfjord was fine. Glass Road, though, yeah, that's the best of the three there for sure, I think, or the four there. All right, that's it. The poem section. I think that's all the poems i got so we can turn the lovely music off
1: well david darling that was the longest most boring and most depressing episode you've ever done of this show which i'll tell you for the 20th time is not a game show so change the name although after this episode You probably don't even have this show on ever again. Who's going to listen to that? You didn't have a review, nothing. It was just blah.
0: I know, and I think I talked about one question for an hour. I went on weird tangents that I'm never going to listen back to. I hope I didn't say anything I regret. You did. Anyway, next time, I promise I'll use you more in the show. I'll get Uncle Craig back on. What? What did you say? Don't worry. Go back to bed, Uncle Craig.
1: I think he is asleep. He's dreaming about you or something.
0: Right, so I'll get you all back in here. We'll do something better next time. But
1: yeah, right.
0: Hey, everyone, before we go, I just wanted to sneak in and say sorry if this was a depressing episode, but it was just my thoughts, right? And I'm just a guy who cares what I think. Be yourselves, live your life, love your life live your love, have fun, enjoy yourself. And I will say that even though I haven't played games for like a month and I haven't missed it, I have bought a few games that I haven't bought games in a long time, well, for a few months. And I've just bought Paleo, Maui, um, Pandemic Rising Tide, Libertalia, the new version, because some of those were on sale. And I just felt like, you know, not, not to give the content for the show because i'm not doing this to monetize it or get famous i'm doing it for fun i said that on episode one and i knew by saying that there'd be some weeks i didn't commit didn't do it so i apologize that it's been two months but um hopefully i'm back again in a week or two and i might talk about one of those games but thanks for your support i love you all Uh, David's, David's game show. It's cheap, so use it. Bow, 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 bow.